RadioInfluence.com The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, we're getting ready for the weekend, and we're ready to talk some boxing, some sweet science, some fisticuffs. And it's great to be back with you as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely your host, TJ Reeves. I've got some guests coming up to join me. As always, we plug away that you can find the Big Fight Weekend podcast not only however you found it, through RadioInfluence.com, the BigFightWeekend.com website, social media, but also subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Subscribe away to the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It will come to you automatically as part of our coverage. So we got a new one out this weekend. And uh, we make mention of our guests that are going to be with me. we got all kinds of subjects we're going to cover. Heavyweights, welterweights, even some of the fights that are going on this weekend. David Payne will be here straight ahead, the boxing writer. Love his insight from over in Britain in the U.K. David's website, boxingwriter.co.uk. He's going to talk heavyweight picture with me. Uh, He's also going to talk about a significant super middleweight fight that is going to be going on uh, this weekend in England, in Liverpool, England, briefly. So a little bit on the fight card with that. So I look forward to having David Payne on with me, the boxing writer, in a few minutes. Then first time on the podcast coming up, Mike Coppinger will be here, Fox Sports Boxing Insider. He is the insider on their Inside PBC Boxing Show. That series airs a couple times every month. I look forward to talking with Mike about the heavyweight picture, again about the welterweights. In particular, are Earl Spence and Sean Porter are going to be meeting and how soon and, uh, and when are we going to see the likes of Terrence Crawford and Keith Thurman and Errol Spence, who are all undefeated, fight each other? We already saw Thurman defeat uh, Porter in what was a great fight back about three years ago. How does Manny Pacquiao factor in? Mike Coppinger will be here to talk about that and about the upcoming fights as well. What intrigues him on the Fox uh, PBC shows, the PBC on Fox shows that are coming in April. And they've just announced another one with Jared Hurd defending his title coming up in May. So we'll hear from Mike on that. And then also closing out the podcast, Marquise Johns will be here from BigFightWeekend.com. Get Marquise's thoughts uh, here on uh, on the heavyweight picture on uh, another guy, Tevin Farmer, U.S. fighter, lightweight champion. Does Tevin Farmer have a dance partner figuratively for a big-time fight down the road? We'll talk to him about that. And then uh, the ESPN card that is coming up this weekend. Uh, ESPN's got a light heavyweight title fight that they are showing as part of the top-ranked promotion. But Marquise is particularly interested in the undercard fight, a, a significant fight that's on the undercard as well. And so uh, Marquise Johns will be here a little bit later on here as part of the podcast. So let's get everything cranked up and get rolling here with our interviews with our guest. It is Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. Let's get going. Rolling along on this edition of Big Fight Weekend, we remind you again to peruse the site BigFightWeekend.com. We have original content as much as possible about upcoming fights, recaps of fights, the historical perspective. I know our next guest loves the heavyweight division like I do. I'm going to put a smile on his face even though I cannot see him over in the UK where David Payne is, the boxing writer. I wrote earlier this week about George Foreman clobbering Ken Norton back in 1974 when Big George improved to 40-0 and 
and then later fought a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali a few months later in 1974, and Ali won the famous Rumble in the Jungle. Love the history of the sport as well as uh, the news, the previews, and the recaps. You'll find it all at BigFightWeekend.com. And David Payne is back with me, the boxing writer. He's got his own site, BoxingWriter.co.uk. He is a frequent guest with me on this podcast. My friend, it's it's been a couple of weeks. It's good to be with you, and we have lots to discuss, most of it pertaining to the heavyweight division, but it's good to have you. How are things? Things are great here, TJ. Thank you for having me on again. Always good to talk about the heavyweights. They they stay with us and entertain us, hopefully. Um, and yes, it's it's a, ri- a division rich in history that we, you and I always love to chat about. I know that uh, we we're going to get to Deontay Wilder announcing date and opponent and fight deal with US TV Network and why it's important. Tyson Fury's opponent is now announced his new deal with Top Rank. We hope, we pray, we wonder, will we see those two rematch later this year? Will we have to wait till next year? Will we have to wait, as I like to joke and say, until we're old and gray in the nursing home? I don't, I don't know if we're going to see the. hopefully in our lifetime. Let's start there and then back it up. We get to see Wilder Fury, too. So we're going to talk about that. But you wrote on your own site, I'm going to prop it up right away, about that as fans, as those that are interested in the sport, we should continue to be vigilant we should continue to demand that the best fight the best especially in the heavyweight division uh you wrote that we picked up your commentary for bigfightweekend.com that when you go back through the history of the sport the great champions of the sport i mentioned ali but whether you're talking about rocky marciano or joe lewis or or even bring it forward to mike tyson to lennox lewis and the present day the great fighters should want to fight each other we've talked about this you wrote about it expound on it a little more about why you felt compelled to write about demand the best from the best uh, because we're, we're bored of the conversations about promotional outfits, aren't we, TJ? We're bored of um, marinating fights. We're bored of uh, semifinals. Uh, we want finals. Um, the, the heavyweight history has never been perfect. That was the other takeaway from the article that I wrote. Uh, sometimes we look back and think that it was always perfect in the past. It was always better the way it used to be. Um, but aside from that era that you touch on with George Foreman, the 70s, there have always been flaws. There have always been fights that have been missed. There have always been periods when there's not been a natural rival for whoever was king at the time, whether it was Dempsey or Lewis or Marciano. And um, so, and there's been the racial line. There's been organised crime. There's been there's been all manner of reasons why fights haven't happened, or why why uh, the best have not had natural rivals, etc. So it's not always been like it was in the 70s. Um, but we're in that era now where many of us can still remember it. Um, either handed down to us or as witness to, to it at the time. And we recognise in the guys that we have here at the moment in Fury, Wilder and Joshua an opportunity to perhaps to reach for those kind of levels, um, which will insult some of my, um, fan, my friends uh, embedded in the past. Um, but there is an opportunity. We've got three tremendous characters, three unbeaten fighters, all in their prime, and they should be fighting each other. As I say, it wasn't always perfect in the past. We never got Foreman Holmes. We never got Lewis Bow. These things were missed then too. But we did get an awful lot of Foreman Fraser, Norton, Ali uh, along the way in that period. And it would be a great shame if we missed that opportunity now because we're embroiled in making bigger money down the road and a destination that we never actually get to. 
Yeah, good point on that. And we've we've talked before, and it's not profound. It's not something that we came up with on our own, like some great secret or invention, that financially the biggest fights were to fight the biggest names. And, and by and large, you were not making a lot of money for the different fights you had against other contenders or non-champions. That dynamic has changed now across the sport of boxing, where you can make mega millions of dollars fighting non-household names, non-champions. That's changed the dynamic. And I know in, in one sense, I won't speak for you, but I'll let you elaborate here in a second. You've said, hey, good for the fighters in the past. They're the ones taking the punches, giving the punches. Absolutely. Make the money where you can make the money. But that's also part of the problem. That's part of why it takes so long to have the great fights. Because if a Wilder can make $10 million fighting Dominic Brazil, if, if an Anthony Joshua can make 10, 15, 20 million fighting uh, Jarrell Miller, which he will do in June in his U.S. debut, there's not as much incentive because I don't have to take the big risk to still make my 10, 15, 20 million. It's common sense is part of this too, right? This, that's absolutely correct. And that, that's, that's herein lies the problem. And you add in the fact that it's not just the earnings of the fighters in question, that the, the promoters that are wrapped around these guys um, make an awful lot of money out of those more risk-neutral kind of fights. So they're still earning very well. They're still filling stadiums as we're all teased and tempted by what lays beyond this fight and we all attend and watch on and buy the pay-per-views one more time because this is the one before the one. Uh, but it's that never-ending story surely can't go on forever. Um, and I think what I'm trying to get at in the article is that we have to shout a bit louder about what we want. And I think writers and reporters, those with the um, access, and the te- television companies too, to some degree, that have the leverage to either ask the question or make the demand uh, for what they want, need to do that in our stead. Um, we have the power of one. We have the, we can vote with our remotes. We can vote with our bank cards, etc. cetera. Um, but you can never get that en masse. So we, we need those people in our stead to to make the pointed question and, and to not be fooled anymore and not listen to the rhetoric anymore. Those fights should be happening. Um, they should be happening right now. And alas, they're not going to. Um, as you, you mentioned the word profound, it's not profound to suggest that the Fury-Wilder rematch is not going to happen this year because it isn't going to happen this year. Um, Bob Arum's already said that there will be a second fight after this Tom Schwartz fight that um, Fury's having against another opponent. Um, someone else probably somewhere near the top 10, but it won't be one of the creme de la creme, as it were. So we're going to have to be patient again. We're going to have to wait for them to get a bit older. And um, I think it's a great shame. It's a great shame. It's it's difficult to be negative at, at a time when there right. should be something to be positive about. But that, that's, how it, that's how you end up feeling. All right. So let's get into the dynamics. So uh, Wilder turned down both the DAZN deal, the U.S.-based streaming service that could have led him to a fight, apparently with Anthony Joshua, as soon as this fall. And and if you can believe the offers, the offers were not only uh, a a fight through matchroom boxing that was going to be against Brazil, probably, 
Uh, but then to fight Joshua and be guaranteed a rematch as the next fight. So apparently Wilder turned that down for whatever reasons. Didn't didn't want to do that. He also turned down top ranks offer to do the same thing, which is fight somebody else on the top rank ESPN deal in the United States and then fight Fury as part of top ranks promotion. The Fury fight would have been in the fall. So I guess the question to you, what do you make of what Wilder is doing? I have my opinion. He's elected to fight Dominic Brazil on Showtime in a one-fight deal. They made no promises about what he does after this upcoming fight on May the 18th. What do you make of him turning down the other two deals, which would have assured him a Joshua fight or a Fury fight? What do you, what do you make of taking the one-fight deal and what he might do? Should he win, and we believe he will, should he win? What do you make of what happens next with Wilder? I, th- I think what Wilder's doing, and, and who are we to surmise what he's doing, he's surrounded by presumably very gifted um, advisors. But it's a combination of the cautious route and the gambler's route. Um, because on the one hand, he's taking a safer option in Brazil and the preservation of his WBC belt. But let's not fool ourselves that in any way he was he was really forced to take that fight. Um because he wants to see what shakes out from the other fights. He wants to see what the landscape is like, what the offers look like, what the numbers look like after the Joshua and Fuhrer have also had fights. He's looked at who they've opted to uh, go with and picked as opponents and thought, well, the risk for them is low, so they're both going to win. I'll take a win, and then we proceed, and then we'll see what the numbers <laughs> right. look like then. Right. Um, you know, what, why take a risk now? Why why align myself with one body at today's prices when July's prices might be different? And um, so, again, you can come full circle on it and, and take your hat off to the fact that he's, he's maintaining control of his own destiny and he's not turning himself into a contract and, or, or a series of fights in which he regrets not waiting for the bigger money as a free agent another six months down the line. But, of course, the gambling all of this is that someone does get chinned and then um, suddenly a Fury rematch doesn't look so attractive, etc. But again, that, that, those defeats are not coming for either Joshua or Fury. But but that's the technically, that's the risk. Sure. That's, the gam- that's the gamble side of it, that this fight suddenly dissolves in a defeat and then he's got one struck off and he's left with one person to chase. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, we keep going around full circle, full circle, full circle, full circle, and we always end up back at the point of they're not fighting each other. Well, here's my here's the here's the TJ take and the TJ angle without any insight with the Wilder camp and with the thinking, but I've followed the sport long enough, you have too, and those that follow it can kind of read the signs, read read the indicators. I think Wilder understands I am a known commodity. I am a spectacular knockout guy, primarily in the United States. He has a following. How large a following might be debatable, but he has a following. He he realizes I'm fighting first. If I am spectacular again against unbeaten Brazil and I knock him out, now it's incumbent on Fury to be spectacular because, let's be honest, David, the guy he's fighting is a complete nobody in the United States. He is a complete no-name, Tom Schwartz. No one in this a, country. TJ, TJ, I don't want to throw you off your, off your thread, but he's a complete nobody outside his own house. Uh, <laughs> Very good. All right. Like, I, mean, I, don't want to dis- I don't want to dismiss a guy who's trying, who's training. Who's, right, who's but still. He's a nobody. 
He is an absolute worldwide nobody. Thank you for the further worldwide confirmation. So, <laughs> so Tyson Fury is in a no-win situation in that if he's good in that fight, no one in America really cares. But even worse, if he's not very good in that fight, if he doesn't knock this guy out, if he's not impressive, let alone if he loses, but if he's not impressive, that means nothing in terms of leverage of getting a Wilder fight. And I... I believe in just seeing through all of this, Wilder understands that. I'll go BB, I'll go knock Brazil out, and then I will wait, as you said, for this to play out in June and July and see what my leverage is. And I, I think we're heading for uh, Wilder being able to say, I'm the champ, I'm the one with the name recognition, I will draw the line in the sand, you can keep fighting nobodies, you can keep fighting people that no one cares about on top rank, or you can come fight me. So... That's my take on on what I believe well, Wilder's I, up to. But go ahead. I I I can I can kind of follow follow the train of thought, um, but I can follow the train of thought up to a point. Um, but it's Brazil. Uh, sorry, uh, Fury's picked an opponent um, against whom he's presumed to to find a knockout. Yeah, and the thing is, if he doesn't find a knockout and doesn't look impressive. And let's not forget, he'll probably be fighting in front of a bigger audience than Wilder will, given the two networks in question that the Fury fight will go out on ESPN. True, and, um, true. And, and Wilder's on, he's on Showtime. Is that to, to a great large extent, Wilder's name has been made by the Fury fight, and it's been made by the Fury fight by the fact that Fury got up. Um, so if Fury looks bad in this fight, that, I don't think that does Wilder any favours at all, it, both in retrospect to his own performance versus Fury and also in the selling of a rematch. Um, so I follow your train of thought to a point, but I, I, I think it's a flawed thinking if that is what his position is. I, I think it's just a bigger picture of let's just see, let's everyone get another win and let's just see then what the numbers look like afterwards. And I think Fury will knock out this guy um, and I think Joshua will knock out Miller, and all of their um, respective profiles are raised by that prospect. But there will not be more people watch all of these three fights put together than watch the various viral videos of Fury getting off the canvas in the 12th round. I would uh, venture that more people saw that than have seen any of the other fights combined. Um, and therefore, I could make a case that he's probably a more well-known fighter at this point in time in the States than Wilder. Uh, I'm obviously you you're a better place to argue the counterpoint to me than that but sure um, well I would say this I would say this too that just from what I've seen what I've observed you're coming to the point where Fury's got to have the big fight again because again for the American public they're not going to care. If, I mean, yes, there will be a curiosity thing. There will be an audience for this fight with Schwartz. But if it's not very good, there's not going to be an audience the next go around if it's a nobody. So yeah, we're, headed, we're headed. We're headed to that. And, uh, and and I, you know, look, I applaud Wilder because Wilder took the risks. Wilder went and fought Stavern back three, four years ago when he was basically a nobody and fought a great fight. And Stavern <coughs> uh, was the only guy to go the distance uh, to, to, with Wilder at that point, but he beat him. He beat him on points. He beat him on a decision. Since then, Wilder aligned, obviously, with Heyman Boxing, with Premier Boxing Champions. He's fought the guys that they lined him up to fight. 
Um, and you got to give him credit that he continued to stay somewhat active, continued to knock guys out spectacularly, spectacularly, if I can get that out. Um, and I think now you look at him saying, I have a belt, I have name recognition in the United States, and I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm not going to be dictated to uh, mm-hmm. by, by somebody, Fury in particular, by somebody that doesn't have the belts, that doesn't have the U.S. recognition. I agree worldwide, Fury is a big deal. And let's just see. Let's just let's just. Everybody's taking a little bit of a risk here. And, and again, th- there's another argument, David Payne, is there not that Wilder could fight Brazil and he could look terrible, and maybe Brazil pushes him, and then and then Wilder's leverage really goes down. If that and that's another possibility, it may not be likely, but it's another possibility in this. I think of of the three possi- of the three opponents, Brazil is, I, I think, more likely to give Wilder problems. Then the other two will give the other two guys that we've been talking about. Um, but so yes, there, there is always that risk that you, you look bad even in victory. Um, and I take your point about the the Wilder's activity, but it's we we mustn't forget that in forty odd fights, essentially he's fought Ortiz and Fury. And Ortiz he was knocked all over the shop before winning, which is credit to him. And in Fury he was outboxed apart from two rounds when he he almost won them by knockout. So. Every other opponent in his face, you would probably struggle to summon up the names. So he's had a long go around too, and he's he's trod water for a number of years with that WBC belt. And it's only in the last twelve months he's actually he's actually made it mean something, and that's by the people that he's fought. Could not? Can I interject? Because I love the debate. Could not the same argument be made that other than Joshua fighting Klitschko, at least in this country, we would struggle to know the names, and other than Fury fighting Klitschko, and maybe I'm wrong. We would struggle to know all the names. Here we go back to they need each other. Joshua Fury yes, and Wilder. Yeah, yeah, can, you can't argue with that. And I, I think um, whilst I'm not a complete uh, advocate of of Joshua's opponent picking, I don't think you could make much I, um, make much criticism of a uh, Povetkin and Parker pairing, given the absence of right. Fury and Wilder. Uh, at the time, I think, you know, but in fairness, Wilder, and you know this, in fairness, Wilder tried to fight Povetkin and Povet- and he was going to yes. fight him in Russia. Yeah. He was willing to fight him in Russia Good point. Yeah. and Povetkin failed the drug test and Wilder got penalized and Povetkin was then allowed to continue to fight and make a mega deal with uh, with Joshua, make a huge payday deal with Joshua. Very unfair in the whole system, in the whole corrupted system, that Wilder was yeah. the one that got penalized in that. And you know that. I'm not preaching to you. You know that. But just while we're having this discussion, I think we can conclude they all, we all need, they all need each other. We want these fights to happen. They all need each other. And now, now it's essentially in the United States we talk about the, uh, the analogy of a game of chicken where you line up uh, automobiles, uh, something and race right at each other, and who's going to chicken out first and dive yeah. off the road? For it's almost like mega million dollar chicken on who is going to blink first, who's going to back off the road first. We'll see. We'll see how yes. uh, how that part uh, plays out. I wonder in, in the UK uh, was the announcement of the Fury fight for June, which is going to now be after the Anthony Joshua fight. No one knows the opponent. We agree. This Tom Schwartz from Absolutely. from Germany. What what was it met with? Was it met with like universal ridicule? Was it met with with some curiosity? What is Fury doing? What was it met with when that was announced recently, David Payne? I think it was probably met with the most dangerous sentiment of all, which is apathy, ah. which is which uh, hints at the 
inevitability of it all, really. We all um, really embraced the Fury story, and I'm f still fully behind how remarkable it was for him to, to, to rehab himself and recover from where he was and to put in the performance against Wilder when he had kind of nothing to lose and he gambled on short money and he paid off to him to a large extent, apart from not getting the decision, which is the other thing we, we, we mustn't forget that he, that he did by consensus win the fight. Um, but we thought it would be different. We thought we were going to go straight into a Wilder rematch um, obviously money's come into it, different partners have come into it, top rank have come into it, etc. So the whole, the landscape's changed. He's got something to lose now, which is what I wrote about too in the article you've mentioned. Um, so now it's kind of, he's just like all the others, um, which I don't want to damn him as a false, false prophet. You could argue he's entitled to a softer fight before a rematch, but we now know the rematch is not coming either. The Joshua fight's not happening, so we're going to have a we're going to have a twelve month period of status quo. Um, he'll be fun because he's always quotable and entertaining. But yes, there was a real apathy that uh, we've gone for someone ranked in the WBO rankings, which is a is a great favourite of Frank Warren to find someone in the WBO rankings that will work for him, and obviously he's still got an influence in Fury's career. Um, and Tom Schwartz brings nothing to the table. He's uh, 15 and 0. He doesn't have a name on his record worth a light, as we say up in Yorkshire. Uh, so it's it's going to be a tough sell, and it is what it is. It's a marking time fight. It's just a way of presenting him to an American audience, and one can only hope that the fight later in the year is a bit more meaningful because the British audience and those those of us somewhere entwined in the boxing business, to use that awful phrase, um, are all a bit apathetic. It's 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 a real ho hum. It's it's just just another fight. It's just we're gonna to have to go through the motions. All right. Hopefully, we haven't uh, depressed the audience here on the Big Fight Weekend <laughs> podcast thoroughly about who's not fighting whom. And again, we could see a spectacular knockout from Wilder. We could see them in succession. Then one from Anthony Joshua. Then one from Tyson Fury. And and it gets really interesting if that, if those are all the cases. That's obviously possible too. So. We'll find out on that point. David Payne with me. A few more moments. The Boxing Writer on social media, on Twitter. Boxingwriter.co.uk is his site. You can read more about what David writes, his different opinions on, on fights. Uh, not only there, he also does a, a bunch of different previews uh, of fights, primarily in the UK and Europe, uh, betting previews, etc. His site again, boxingwriter.co.uk. So on the big fight weekend schedule, there is a junior middleweight, 154, or super welterweight fight, Liam Smith, Sam Eggington, 12-round fight coming uh, this Saturday night, uh, British time, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. What's the uh, what's the sell here for the American audience? There are a couple of American champions in the uh, junior middleweight division. Uh, how much attention should we pay to this? Tell me about uh, Liam Smith, about Sam Eggington. What do we think in that 12-round fight real quick in the preview mode? Uh, it's a fun fight. Um, it's what might be referred to in the olden days as a, either a European title-level fight or a British title-level fight uh, with two guys who've been close, particularly Liam Smith. He's been at world title level before. Um, he's fought... Um, He's fought against Mungaya last time unsuccessfully, and he's fought Canelo unsuccessfully, uh, but gave a better gave a better performance against Canelo than some have managed. He was certainly stubborn and defiant in that fight. Um, but he's on the other side of 30 now. 
he's part of that famous Smith fighting family. Um, Callum, his brother, is obviously super middleweight champion at the moment. Um, so he's probably the one with the pedigree expected to win the favourite against Sam Eggington, who only ever got into boxing to be a journeyman, to be on the circuit as an opponent and has had more success than he anticipated. Uh, but unfortunately, his somewhat meteoric and unexpected rise um, has hit a couple of stumbling blocks. And uh, this will be interesting to see whether he really has potential beyond British level against Smith. Um, but I, I think it's widely anticipated that Smith will win this and move on. And who knows, with, with those names on his record in the past, he may he may crop up as a voluntary defence for somebody somewhere along the line amongst the um, the light middleweight kings. Um, but what, what time, time will tell. Of, of interest to me is that my friend Big Dave Price, a heavyweight you may have heard of, um, is fighting on the undercard, continuing his comeback and attempt to, to get somewhere near the glory. So I'll drop him a mention because he's always fun to watch in defeat or victory. Again, we uh, we love the insight of David Payne here. We've got these different fights that are coming, obviously, in April, May, and June of interest. I always love having you on to give us some insight uh, here into them. Again, promote once again where we can find you, where we can find your stuff. In addition to being on this podcast, the ever-growing Big Fight Weekend podcast, where can we find you? Where can we hear you, sir? Well, firstly... It's important to point out that I'm not always a depressing guest. Um, it's just, <laughs> you somewhat you can sometimes feel like it's Christmas Eve uh, and you've had a, and you wake up on Christmas Day and discover all the presents have been taken. So that's how, that's if that's how this podcast has come across somewhat today because we're, we're all a little we're dealing, but you know what? We're also dealing in realism. We're dealing in in what we have in front of us, and you know what? We don't have the fights right now. We got to wait another month to have the fights to talk well, about. This is. Right. This is a tr- this is the trouble, TJ. Sport, entertainment. It's it's meant to give us an escape from the mundanity, isn't it? It's meant to give us a release, an opportunity to see things that were beyond our our reach and our capability. And we're all embroiled in political messes in, in our respective countries, and uh, it's nice to try and escape that and watch some sport and watch some boxing and watch something amazing. And we keep being cheated of it, um, and it's very frustrating. Um, we, we we move from the political world and look to the sporting world and find more politics, and that's endlessly frustrating. So, yes, it's realism, it's pragmatism, but isn't that boring? Don't we look? Don't we look to our heroes for a bit of um, fantasy, for a bit of amazing, a bit of beyond the human daily experience? Um, but so that so so if that tone's come across, I apologise. But if you're willing to get past that, you can find me at boxingwriter.co.uk. <laughs> Happy to be at tjsbigfightweekend.com and still doing the previews for freebets.net and uh, and gambling.com. So yeah, and reach me on uh, Twitter, of course, at the boxing writer. And I promise uh, to try and be more uplifting in the future you Thank work you, bad you're being very hard on yourself i, I am not deducting <laughs> you more than like a point uh on this because you oh, were being, it's not it's not it's not a two-point deduction then it's not, not a two-point two deduction because you're round. being very realistic about what the situations are let's just see let's just see uh it, it is fascinating for wilder that it is a one fight deal because that essentially means to me just one more time that if he wins and the others win, he may realize, okay, I've got to go to top rank in ESPN Plus to fight Fury, or I'm going to take this deal now and go fight Anthony Joshua. Um, and the and the word was one more time, David Payne, that he was going to get in the neighborhood of forty million dollars, and that the first fight with Joshua could have potentially been in the United States. 
he may end mm-hmm. up asking, is that deal still available? And it may not be. So we'll see. We'll we'll see I've, what the fights will play struck, out. That struck this observer as an amazing deal. Uh, it's hard to conjure how those numbers can be exceeded by beating Brazil, Schwartz and Miller. But hey-ho, that's the gamble he's taken and we'll see how it unfolds. It will. All right, David Payne, thank you. We will uh, we will once again re-engage here soon, especially as April rolls around. But I thank you, hopping on. Thank you for hopping on here for the final uh, Big Fight Weekend podcast of March. Uh, we're interested a, a bit in this Liam Smith fight. Can he get into the junior middleweight title picture with a convincing win? Well, that one again in the UK on Saturday. And thanks for the heavyweight talk. And we encourage everybody again, go to boxingwriter.co.uk and read more of what David Payne has written about the heavyweight division. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. You too, TJ. Thanks a lot. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Proud sponsors find out more about their fantastic flavors of Touch Vodka. Go to touchvodka.com. As uh, again, whether you're in Florida or in Louisiana or wherever Touch Vodka is available, we recommend that you enjoy from Nirvana Spirits Touch Vodka. Go to touchvodka.com. They're proud sponsors here of Big Fight Weekend. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. As we do roll on on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, it is my pleasure to bring in for the first time here, Boxing Insider for Fox Sports. Mike Coppinger is with me uh, here as part of the podcast. Good to have you. Nice to talk to you. And we have an awful lot to talk about here. Let, let's begin, I think, first, Mike, with the welterweight division, which has become very interesting, very compelling. We see in, in really consecutive weeks, Sean Porter win defending his WBC title, then Errol Spence winning on pay-per-view against Mikey Garcia uh, very impressively. Keith Thurman winning earlier this year, undefeated as well uh, under the PBC umbrella. We, we've got a lot of compelling welterweights, and I think everybody's excited for what the future might be. Definitely. Hottest division in boxing right now. PBC really controls that welterweight division outside of Terrence Crawford, who fights Amir Khan on ESPN pay-per-view on April 20th. But all of the other and best welterweights, including the top guy in the division, Errol Spence Jr., fight over at PBC. And I'm excited to see what Manny Pacquiao can do, too. Eight-division champion, of course, one of the all-time greats, showed against Adrian Broner in January that he still has plenty left in the tank for one final run. We'll see how it shakes out over the next few months. But I expect that we're going to see Errol Spence fight Sean Porter in the fall and then probably see Keith Thurman head toward that Manny Pacquiao fight. Interesting because Thurman and Porter obviously fought some three-plus years ago. Thurman has dealt with injuries for a couple of years. A lot of people wondering if that would be the rematch. Thurman very, very much wants Pacquiao. So it'll be interesting if that fight can get made as well. I'd love to have your opinion on this because we talk historically on this podcast and on the BigFightWeekend.com website about great fights. And that that late 70s, early 80s with the the names Leonard and Hearns, and I can't see you, but I bet you're going to be smiling, Duran, uh, Wilford Benitez was mixed in there. Those guys all wanted to fight each other, and that's what made it great uh, there for about a five- or six-year run. And to me, for Thurman, for Porter, for Spence uh, in particular, and eventually, as you mentioned, Terrence Crawford, they all got to want to fight each other, Mike, right, to make this better. I think they do want to all fight each other as well. 
Manny Pacquiao is still one of the you know the biggest names in the sport, and any everyone's going to want to crack at him. Uh, he brings a lot of legacy. He brings a lot of eyeballs on him. But like I said, Errol Spence right now is the guy in the division. He proved that he's also a, an attraction and one of the top money guys in the sport right now with that big draw he had on pay-per-view, over 350,000 pay-per-view buys on Fox just a couple of weeks ago when he beat up Mikey Garcia and outclassed him over 12 rounds. So that was a good precursor to the bigger fights. You know, probably we'll get Spence and Porter, like I said, Thurman and Pacquiao. Maybe we get the winners fighting each other. Who knows? Danny Garcia is still in the mix fighting Adrian Granados April 20th on Fox. That's the same day that Terrence Crawford fights against Amir Khan. But for me, and I think everyone else, the biggest fight to be made is Terrence Crawford against Errol Spence Jr. And is that going to happen? Politics could hold it up. We're going to have to wait and see. But that's probably the best fight that could be made in boxing outside of Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Uh, You teased us. We're going to get to that one in a couple of moments. And again, it's different promotions with PBC and with Top Rank on what would happen there. But, uh, you know, Crawford Crawford is fighting Khan, and that's fine. But eventually, uh, you know, Spence, Thurman, some mix in there. If you want to unify the belts, that's what the public... Uh, the public wants to see. Um, all right, so uh, an upcoming episode of Inside PBC Boxing will be airing Sunday on Fox. You mentioned uh, the Garcia uh, Granados fight, but also Peter uh, Quinlan and Caleb Truax will be fighting just before that, the following week. And there's also a new announced uh, super middleweight championship fight involving Jared Hurd and Julian Williams. So we've got quite a slew of fights coming on Fox and FS1, and I know you're going to be teeing it all up on Inside PBC Boxing coming soon. I'm really looking forward to that Jared Hurd-Julian Williams fight. Jared Hurd is really on the star path, I believe, and he's shown that he's one of the best action fighters in the sport. Julian Williams is a a nice another test for him. Good challenge as he as PBC builds toward that eventual Jared Hurd Jermel Charlo unification fight for all the marbles at 154 pounds. Um, you know, as long as Jermel Charlo gets past his June rematch against Tony Harrison, I do expect we'll see Hurd and Charlo sometime before the year is out. And then Jared Hurd's going to jump up to middleweight. So really excited for that Julian Williams fight. Um, Peter Quillen against Caleb Truax. I think it's a classic crossroads fight. You know, the loser, I don't know where the loser can really go from there. The winner will set himself up nicely for a title shot at 168 pounds. And, you know, 68 is pretty hot with PBC right now as well. You have David Benavidez who's going to try to reclaim this title against Anthony Durrell at some point this year. Right. Caleb Plant is a hot new name in the division. So some good fights coming up. And I'm actually really excited for that Garcia Granados fight. Uh, I think Danny Garcia still is under the radar, despite all his accomplishments in the sport, and Granados will at least come forward and push and press the action. Should be a lot of fun on that, and again, the Quinlan Truax fight will be Saturday night, April the 13th, coming in a couple of weeks. The following week is the Garcia-Granados fight, that one on Fox, Hurd and Julian Williams, and I may have said super middleweight, it's junior middleweight title fight for that one on Saturday night, May the 11th, also on Big Fox, so interested to see all of those. few more moments with Mike Coppinger, insider with Fox Sports, with us here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. All right, so the heavyweights, we now have the confirmed date and the site at the Barclays Center for Deontay Wilder's next defense. It's his mandatory challenger in Dominic Brazil. 
everybody wants to know what's going to ultimately happen. We don't have the crystal ball here, but if if uh, let's put it this way, if Wilder's impressive and let's say he dominates or knocks uh, Brazil out early, that puts him in a great leverage position to basically demand to Fury, you got to come to me on my terms. I have the belt. I knocked my guy out first impressively. You got to come to me. That's where I sit. What do you think, Mike, about when we see maybe a Wilder Fury 2? And is a Wilder knockout going to put him in a great leverage spot? I mean, the thing here is that Anthony Joshua already knocked out Dominic Brazil in the seventh round. So can Deontay Wilder do it faster than Joshua did it? That's interesting to me as a kind of measuring stick and litmus test for him. But really, no. I mean, I thought Tyson Fury outboxed Wilder, and I, I, I scored it for him. We're not going to see Fury come over to PBC. He has a multi-fight deal with ESPN. Wilder's with PBC. I don't see that fight happening anytime soon, unless PBC and Top Rank can come together to figure something out between the networks. But it's going to be very difficult to make right now, at least for 2019. I think we're looking at 2020 at the earliest for that fight. Hope I'm wrong there. And the Brazil fight is interesting to me for the simple fact that these guys legitimately hate each other. Mm-hmm. In the forward, there's all these manufactured feuds. Brazil and Wilder can't stand each other stemming from that February 2017 altercation in Alabama. Brazil claims that Deontay Wilder's brother, Marcelos, sucker punched him in an elevator and bad blood ever since. So should be a fun big man fight. Well, we will see if uh, if that is the case, if it is a spectacular knockout or not. One more on that, because we've been talking about this already on the podcast uh, how surprised were you? The reporting is that Wilder was offered a multi-fight deal by DAZN streaming service that included his opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua in one more fight. Fight one fight, Joshua fights his fight, and then Wilder would have him as the next fight and potentially have that fight be in the United States. Does it surprise you that Wilder did not go for that offer because it basically guaranteed a shot at Joshua before the end of 2019? Were you surprised at hearing that? No surprise at all, TJ, because Deontay Wilder's loyal to PBC. He's loyal to fight on Fox and Showtime, and when you're telling Deontay Wilder, okay, well, you're going to get paid $40 million to fight Anthony Joshua. That sounds great, sure. But we don't know how much Anthony Joshua is going to make for that fight. And I think at this point, <laughs> Deontay Wilder deserves parity and a 50-50 split with Joshua. And I know that's what Wilder wants. So in Wilder's head, he's like, all right, you know, I'm just going to keep winning. I'll keep fighting these guys. And we can revisit that Joshua fight. Maybe I'm going to make even more money at that point. Maybe it maybe comes on pay-per-view. We got to figure that fight eclipses a million pay-per-view buys. And at that point, he could easily eclipse that $40 million guarantee. So he's sure. gambling on himself. It sure. is a risk. It is it is a risk. and But again, if he wins impressively, he's in a great leverage spot as well, Deontay Wilder. And in the chronology here, he's fighting before Joshua fights on June the 1st and obviously a full month before Fury fights. And the, and the real risk for Fury is if he fights this unknown uh, Tom Schwartz, which you know I don't know how much anybody really knows about him. He's a German fighter. He is undefeated. And Fury is not impressive. He's lethargic, doesn't look impressive, or God forbid he loses, then this whole thing backfires that he had a rematch in the palm of his hand. We'll see. Okay, so just forecast this for me before we leave. Am I going to see Wilder against either Joshua or Fury uh, before I am old and gray? Are we going to see that later this year, 2020, at some point, Mike? What do we think? 
I don't think we see either of fight in 2019. I think it's a good bet for 2020. But like I said, a lot of political hurdles to clear, a lot, a lot of negotiating, negotiating to be done. And we're going to have to hope it you know, happens. You know, between those two fights and a Terrence Crawford or Earl Spence fight, um, you know, boxing doesn't always deliver the best fights. Hopefully it comes through here. We're hoping that it does. Again, Mike Coppinger has been with us. Uh, you can find Mike on the Inside PBC Boxing Show coming again on Fox Sunday, April the 7th. You'll also see replays of that show as well on FS1 and FS2. And then the next couple of big fights in April, Peter Quinlan, Caleb Truax, Saturday night on FS1. Danny Garcia, Adrian Granados will be the following Saturday night, April the 20th on Fox. This guy does a great job as the insider there for Fox Sports. Mike, thank you for the time on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I appreciate you jumping on with me. Hey, thanks so much for having me, TJ. Big Fight Weekend also brought to you in part by Vivid Seats for all the best events in sports. I know we got the basketball going on with the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 uh, this weekend headed to the Final Four in Minneapolis. But for boxing, for any of these fights that you hear us talking about uh, here in North America, any of these fight cards uh, that you hear us discussing, including that upcoming Wilder heavyweight title defense against Dominic Brazil that'll be at the Barclays Center, even the Anthony Joshua Big Baby Miller fight that's coming in June or back up before that to Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs fighting in Las Vegas on May the 4th on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Go to Vivid Seats for all of the best selection on the secondary market of all of those tickets to the biggest events. VividSeats.com, the Vivid Seats mobile app, and our exclusive Big Fight Weekend promo code is BIGFIGHT10. Use that promo code BIGFIGHT10. You'll get 10% off your initial order with Vivid Seats by using that promo code up to $50. So up to $50 off of your initial order with Vivid Seats with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Again, for all the biggest and the baddest fights that are going on throughout the spring and the summer, remember the name Vivid Seats and remember the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Rolling right along. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Again, a reminder to subscribe via iTunes, via Stitcher, via Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. Our our friends at RadioInfluence.com help promote the show. You can always find the show through RadioInfluence.com. Uh, and through social media links, but it's easiest to subscribe because it comes right to you whenever we have a new one. I pledge to you that we try to have as many of them as we can in a given month. Sometimes that's going to be two, it's going to be three, or it might even be four, depending on the action and the fights that are coming up. But you get one automatically whenever there's a new one as part of Big Fight Weekend um, here through RadioInfluence.com if you subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, just search for Big Fight Weekend. Hit the subscribe button. It'll come automatically to the phone, to the iPad. We love it. We love this guy coming on as well. He is essentially closing out the show. He's like the main event here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. He is the uh, the guy in charge, the purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com. I love talking with Marquise Johns about all things boxing. Good to have you again. Put those Dukes up. Get in that uh, that red corner. I'm in the blue corner. Let's go. How you doing? Ding, ding, TJ. How you doing? And more importantly, as always, give me Vaughn. <laughs> go. Ricky, give him the heater. Uh, yes, baseball has <laughs> has started and Marquise has already started with the subtle references. I like that. 
Um, and it's good that Philly fan is already booing Bryce Drew, and we're going to come back around to Philadelphia before the end of our conversation here, I believe, so awesome. in, a, in a few moments. Okay, so we've been talking to previous guests. I want to hit on what we've talked about with them, with you, which is the welterweight picture. I, I'm interested here because you've written some recently on BigFightWeekend.com about will we see some of these champions, these unbeaten guys, fight each other. So give me a uh, give me a thought here because you wrote about that maybe Errol Spence off the pay-per-view win over Mikey Garcia might fight Sean Porter. I know that Mike Coppinger, the insider for Fox Sports, was just on with us, and he was saying, hey, I think that might be the fight later this year. What about that fight? Do you believe that that is the, the logical next opponent for those two that they fight each other? What do you think, Marquise? I Mike's dead on with that in regards to it. Actually, more than likely, that has to be the next fight for Errol Spence in regards to uh, the, the welterweight belt unification, mainly because for the WBA, Keith Furman is more than likely going to have to face uh, Manny Pacquiao because Manny Pacquiao has, of course, the regular or the B title of the WBA portion of the belt, and Keith Furman has the major part of it. So, And more than likely, WBA does this thing usually around this time of year where they try to unify these belts together. They do it in the welterweight division with them. Uh, Giante V. Davis will have had the same problem with his belt as well because uh, Canstasio has the minor version of his. So more than likely, we're going to see Spence Spence Porter in regards to it. And also, they they also talked to Spence. Actually, he was at the event for uh, the Lamont Peterson uh, last fight that he that went down in tragic fashion for him. And he essentially said his quote was, "We'll have more like we'll have Spence next. We'll see." And he also parlayed that by saying it also may be a pay per view fight. So if 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 Porter's looking for the payday, it's going to be for Errol Spence. I don't know, just you and me talking, I, I don't know that that one is pay-per-view worthy, and there may be some people leery about, um, after the Garcia fight, about paying even, and the Garcia fight was like, what, $69.99 or $79.95 or whatever the Ginsu yes. steak knives came with. I, I, I mean, I don't know that America pays $49.95 for Spence and Porter. I don't know that they would pay it for Spence and Thurman. That... That that seems a bit ambitious, and I think some people might be leery. What's your opinion about that? I personally, uh, after seeing Porter Ugas in front of the tens of tens of people at uh, in, Saint, in, <laughs> in Los in, Angeles, in, in, that in right. Los Angeles, Carson, I, 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 right, in, in the place formerly known as StubHub, I would be surprised if anyone would be willing to pay pay per view money for that fight. I have, in fact, I'm going to be going a limb here and say I'm going to be. be confused on how people are going to pay pay-per-view money in general for uh, these upcoming fights. I know Terrence Crawford is facing Amir Khan, and Bob Arum on a conference call Tuesday was trying to make it sound like it's going to be the next big thing, and he did mention a price tag, too, which is also a problem. But also, it's really going to be interesting to see who has really an interest in seeing who Crawford's facing with Khan. And more likely, that will set the chain of events for the next stage of big mega fights well, along and, the line. And look, Pacquiao and Broner was a pay-per-view fight, so I guess the thought would be, because Pacquiao's the draw, that a fight with Thurman would be on pay-per-view. Again, I, I'm sliding, I just don't know that the American public is clamoring for a Spence Porter pay-per-view. And I don't know that they would be clamoring for a Spence Thurman pay-per-view. It remains to be seen, and I'll be interested with you if, if the Crawford Con pay-per-view numbers do well, that might that would surprise me. Um, again, ESPN is venturing into that with top rank. Let's see that fight coming next month. They still have time to build it up. They've been doing the media uh, circuits. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where where that leads us. I asked uh, Mike this. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of asking you the same way. We've talked about it round and round again. Uh, I mean, are we going to see these fights? I mean, apparently we're going to see Spence and Porter maybe in a in the fall, by the fall. That's the hope, right? And, and maybe 
Thurman and Pacquiao the same way, Marquise? That's look, look, that's what it's shaping up to be in regards to the, these major welterweight fights. I'm hoping to see if if they do finalize with Manny Pacquiao, what he wants to do with this fight. I know he put up a poll on his own Twitter last week asking who he wanted to fight next, and <laughs> a bizarrely 73% said on his Twitter he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather. So if that doesn't remind how much the internet voting is very sketchy at best, is I don't know what will. But more importantly, also with, with Furman facing Pacquiao, those are actually, with, with the WBA, that's probably the best case scenario for both those two fighters in regards to the next coming up fight. And well, I know Thurman's looking for more competition. I don't mean to interrupt, but certainly for Thurman it is yeah. because that's a mega money fight that's likely on pay-per-view, and that's what he wants, uh, more so than a rematch with Porter, for example, that would not be on pay-per-view. We know that. So uh, we'll no, see. No, that would be primetime Fox all day. Probably, yes. So uh, so we have that that is, uh, that is lurking out there. Um, all right, so something else that we were talking about, uh, the heavyweights. And, and I've not had a chance in the last couple of weeks to talk with you since this uh, Deontay Wilder fight with his mandatory challenger, the number one contender in the WBC, Dominic Brazil, that will be coming up uh, in May at the Barclays Center. And chronologically, it will come up on May the 18th, a couple of weeks before the Anthony Joshua Big Baby Miller fight will be coming up. Um, so that is now set, but interesting too, Marquise, that it is a one fight situation with Showtime. It's not on pay-per-view and there's not a long-term commitment there. Now, Mike Coppinger said to us, uh, he doesn't believe that Deontay Wilder is ever going to leave Al Heyman and Showtime and the pay-per-view possibilities. But for right now, it's not a multi-fight deal for Wilder. What do you make of all this? For Wilder itself, it kind of makes sense in a way because at, at this point, he has to go for this mandatory fight with Brazil. And let's be honest, TJ, no one that I know in the boxing community outside of friends and family was even hinting at a pay-per-view for that fight, let alone actually paying for it. So him staying with Heyman for this fight on basic showtime is fine. But I got to admit with these heavyweights in general, with, with Wilder coming up facing Brazil and Fury facing Schwartz later on as well and Wilder facing Miller, we got to admit that in the, in the stage of these heavyweights stalling for time until these guys all get together and fight each other, and don't forget Dillian White in the picture at some point, these crop of fights for heavyweights really are the epitome of just passing time. And we hope that they all three get by these guys. One, one would assume that Wilder would get past Brazil in the mandatory, and Wilder and Joshua should get past, get past, get past Big Baby Miller. I, I, I will admit, his the talk for that fight has been more exciting than the actual fight probably is going to be on paper. <laughs> And and Fury is fighting Tom Schwartz. I put I did a a, a deep dive on uh, the website Big Fight Weekend about Tom Schwartz, and that was turning into a, uh, a and really Jesus, what did you come up with? Uh, because there's not a lot known about this guy. I, I'm not thinking the deep dive took too long on him. Well, from what I could find on the depths of the internet, that that, that didn't send me the wrong way. Essentially, it he has decent footwork. He has a decent right. He fights a little way in a. In a bigger Earl Spence way where if he gets you in the corner, you're pretty much done. He has a decent right, and he will put you down. But outside of that, and footwork-wise, uh, there's not too and much. He, and and Schwartz, Schwartz, we're talking about, is undefeated, but he's only fought two fights outside of Germany. He's fought no one of any substance or world-class caliber. So you've got... Uh, uh, you know, that's the fight. And it's the third of the three fights. I think this is another important point as we talk with Marquise Johns here. You can read Marquise. Uh, he he operates BigFightWeekend.com, director of content, uh, chief guru, whatever term you want to use. Uh, the the man in the corner that comes out with all of it. Um, so the interesting the interesting part of this is Wilder fights first against Brazil. 
And then you've got Joshua and Miller. If those are both spectacular knockouts, it almost dictates that Tyson Fury has to do the same with Schwartz. He, he would have to knock him out and knock him out early, or everybody's going to look at that fight and say, you're fighting a nobody and you didn't even knock him out early like the two champs did. So this is a, it's a risk of many levels for Tyson Fury if he doesn't look as good as the other two guys who fight before him, is my point. You agree? I agree with that as well because I don't think uh, the first two fights are, are, are on paper don't look like they're going to go past the first six rounds. And I, I have a feeling that uh, Brazil Wilder, even though I do think Brazil has a better chance than than Miller does against uh, Joshua, I, it does, I don't think they're going to be – we wouldn't be watching those fights on TV too long per se. Um, but the, the, actually, to back, back, back to your point where you mentioned in regards to Wilder, Wilder taking the one fight deal and done per se mainly does confirm the fact that he probably is going to stay with, with Al Heyman with, with PBC because he just knows that the next big fight will be bigger than the next one and then go for on and so forth and so forth. Because he, he mentioned at the press conference himself and even Showtime executive Steve Espinosa mentioned also as well that he is not getting away of Wilder for, uh, in, the, in the short term for long-term success. So essentially he's, he's all but saying that we're, we're in his corner and we'll, we'll stay with him as long as he wants to be with us. Well, and as we were talking about with Mike Coppinger, he already turned down the DAZN streaming offer. And Coppinger's point was, hey, you know, why why pin yourself in even at a $40 million price tag? That was the reporting of Dan Raphael of ESPN.com, was that Wilder was being offered a three-fight deal, the second fight would be with Joshua, and he would be guaranteed $40 million and and the fight could potentially be in the United States, the first fight. Uh, against Joshua, and he turned it down. So, uh, but Coppinger's belief was, hey, he he may be selling himself short, only getting forty million of it, and not getting the lion's share of whatever the pay per view would be. And so that's another reason why Wilder is only fighting the one fight on Showtime. Now let's explore the options and see what the what the offers. I mean, here's another great hypothetical. Uh, because this this would taint obviously a fight with Anthony Joshua for anybody. But what happens if Big Baby Miller lands the big punch and for whatever reason somehow scores the shocking victory? And it's not completely unheard of. Uh, Hasim Rahman landed the big punch more than a decade on ago Lennox Lewis. on Lennox Lewis. Uh, George Foreman, I, I wrote about George on the BigFightWeekend.com website earlier this week. George landed the big punch on Michael Moore. It was essentially one big punch in a fight that he was losing in the 10th round, and he knocked Michael Moore out. It was still one of the more remarkable, uh, did I just see that? Did I just see 48-year-old George Foreman land one one big right hand and knock Michael Moore out? It actually happened. So let's say Miller lands that big punch. Hangs the first L on Anthony Joshua, hypothetically. Not likely. Probably 5%, maybe even 2% chance it could happen. But if it happens... I'll give, I'll give it a no chance. But uh, you're going to go no chance. Okay, but if, uh, yeah. if, if it were to happen, now Wilder's in a much different negotiating position. Because obviously Joshua's going to fight Miller again and beat him. But then at that point, you're Wilder sitting back dictating. You lost to Jarrell Miller. So I, I, I am going to demand you fight me and I get the majority of the money on this. So that's another intriguing part. Uh, and while we throw out hypotheticals, Wilder goes first and then maybe a lucky punch lands. Of course, the Joshua camp is saying the same thing or the Fury camp is saying the same thing. What if Brazil lands the lucky punch on Deontay Wilder, right, Marquise? It could happen. It could happen. And actually, give, I'll throw a caveat in your hypothetical as well. Say, for example, Miller does somehow beat jo- uh, Anthony Joshua. Keep in mind, uh, Dylan White has been protesting this fight uh, with uh, Wilder Brazil in regards to the order since, I think, the beginning of time. 
So at some point, they're going to have to respond to him and they're going to have to give, give Dylan White a shot at, at Wilder's belt. So essentially, it's crazy. Another another roadblock for actually Wilder per se. Where but, he I mean, be if, the he's mandatory. Fought, if he's fought the mandatory, if I understand all of boxing's ambiguous, we'll change him whenever we want rules. He would not have the to politics. fight. Right. He would not have to fight the mandatory again for at least another six months to a year, probably a year. So he could put it, Dylan White off to fight somebody else that he wants to fight. Or to fight uh, the the bigger fight with Fury, if that if that could be uh, made. So, uh, Dill- Dillian White's hope is that he gets in there with Anthony Joshua. I know David Payne's been saying that for the last two or three months. That's that's his hope is that he wants the crack at AJ back at Wembley Stadium, back in London. Uh, White doing the deal with top rank though. I believe, or it may, I, I got to double check. It may it may roadblock that as well. Maybe Dillian White ends up fighting Tyson Fury. I don't know. But we love we love talking about the heavyweights. And, uh, okay, so Coppinger said this. David Payne has pretty much said it. They've sworn off. They don't think that a Wilder Fury or a Wilder Joshua fight happens this year and maybe not even for 2020. Are you as pessimistic, Marquise? As the way that they're talking online, because all they're doing at this point is talking, I don't think it's going to happen in the near future at all. So what they're doing with regards to it, they're doing the old standby thing where they'll sit and make pot shots at each other online via social media until – Something gets done per se. Wilder did say when he was bombarded by TMZ on Monday that he the fight they're during negotiations and talks, but that could just even mean they sent an email to each other. I don't think they're sitting down at down the dinner table talking numbers yet. So if anything else, this will be <laughs> happening between now and 2025. Hopefully this will happen between, I don't know, next Boxing Revolution, I'm hoping. Let's hope so. All right, another guy you wrote about just real quick, and then we'll move on to what we have on the uh, on the docket for this weekend with a couple of fights that you'll be looking over. You've written on BigFightWeekend.com about the lightweight champion from the United States, Tevin Farmer, and what are Tevin mm-hmm. Farmer's options in that division? Go, go about it a little more. What about it? Essentially, Tevin Farmer, after he beat uh, Joe Mocano earlier this month in, in Philly uh, in a very one-sided fight, pretty much uh, well, he, he pretty much asks on Twitter like everybody else does he does when, when most fighters win, who wants, who wants a shot at me? And the options that are pretty much out there, everyone and their grandma wants to see him fight Javante Davis. That, that's been well-documented between both those two as well. Hopefully that will get done, but Javante Davis has a mandatory in the way, so... He may have to get weight on that to get past Anthony Cassano first. And once Davis does get by him, maybe. Uh, also, uh, Abner Mears is back in the picture fighting and training again, so who may knows if he may show back up in the picture as well. So Davis has a couple of people to get through, but he is the most active guy in the world, so we'll see how that goes with those two. But more than likely with Tevin Farmer, he may just sit back and wait for the winner of the, I want to say the Jamel herring uh, Maosuke Ito fight that's taking place Memorial Day weekend here in the States, TJ. Pretty much, Farmer has his own chance to pick who he wants to fight in the next scheme of things. But if I had to, the fight that would be most intriguing for me personally, outside of Davis, because Davis does have some people to get through first, would be that the winner of that Ito Herring fight that's helping up Memorial Day weekend. All right. So again, uh, Jamel Herring will be fighting that one, WBO belt. And so you can read more about Tevin Farmer's options. And Abner Mares is one of the great personalities, but he's been injured. He uh, He's had an eye injury a couple of times. He's now been cleared again. Maybe he gets in the picture as well. Of course, Leo Santa Cruz we've talked about. You've written about him as well on BigFightWeekend.com. Yeah. He could be in the mix. We'll see about who's fighting Tevin Farmer uh, down the road. Okay, so let's get to a couple of the fights for this weekend. We talked with David Payne back at the beginning of our conversations here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. 
that the fight in England coming in the afternoon, U.S. time on Saturday, is on DAZN. That's Liam Smith and Sam Eggington, junior middleweights. Uh, and really what's on the line here, Marquise, is the winner still could get in the picture to fight a Jared Hurd, to maybe fight one of the Charlos, to maybe fight a Jaime Munguia. Liam Smith already lost to Jaime Munguia. That's what's on the line here between Smith and Eggington. That one on DAZN Saturday afternoon, right? Yes, that's correct. And actually, I do think uh, that's going to be an interesting fight out of all these fights that are taking place this week. And that's the one of the most intriguing because that essentially will muddle up that whole division for the middleweights in regards to who who fights who and, and pretty much pretty much that's going to logjam a lot of fo- a lot of folks. Actually, now that I think about it, because Manig is in the picture and like I'm really intrigued to see if, if, if Smith can rebound and, and come back out of this. All right, so Liam Smith, Sam Eggington on DAZN again in the afternoon, U.S. time. That one in Liverpool, England, Saturday night. And also on Saturday night, ESPN on Big ESPN, not on the ESPN Plus streaming service, has a, a light heavyweight. Goodness. Okay, so so you're already, you're already besmirching uh, the card they have. They have the WBC light heavyweight championship that everybody has been craving in the United States between uh, the Russian Alexander Gavadzik and a Nigerian a challenger with a great name, and this is how you say it, Dudu Ngumbu. Uh, hopefully Dudu doesn't fight like number two. We will see <laughs> yeah. uh, Ngubu, a 37-year-old journeyman, 38-8 in his career. Gavadzik undefeated, uh, obviously looking maybe at a unification big payday. So that's the main event. But I think you're, I mean, you're just kind of lukewarm on that one. You may actually care more about another fight that's on that ESPN card Saturday night in Philly. Personally, I'm 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 more intrigued about the co-headliner. That main, that main event, not for nothing, TJ. I, I no disrespect to DSPN. That's not one of the better fights I could put on there. But I'm just glad they're not having it streamed. I have to have to sit and filter through uh, <laughs> NCAA softball and women's uh, swimming uh, feeds to, to find the freaking fight card. I mean, I, I love ESPN Plus, but that it's, that's ridiculous. It really is. But the, the fight to look for in regards to is going to be the undercard with uh, the greatness of Ray Robinson, the local kid. Who's going to try the name? Are you going to try the name, the Lithuanian? Oh. Are you, you going to try oh, the yeah. name? I'm going to try first. The Lithuanian Egidius Kalaskis. Kavalaskis, yes. And so Kavalaskis uh, <laughs> and Robinson yes. fighting in the welterweight division. And this one has significance to you. Why? As it relates to who? Why? Because this one is important because this one essentially is going to because Kavalaskis is is currently the number one contender for uh, Crawford's belt. And more than likely, and once he gets past uh, Robinson, which is more than likely going to happen because Robinson hasn't fought anybody of note in the last two years. uh, Pretty much in the event, the next fight uh, for Crawford, once if if he gets past Khan, if it's not going to be anything mega wise regarding the big two, uh, Spence or. Furman or Pacquiao, you know, names. Uh, this is the name you're going to hear, hear from about more often later on in the year. Uh, Kavalaskis. All right. So, Edidius Kavalaskis is the name to watch, that, not to pronounce, but he's the Lithuanian fighter to watch in the co main event on ESPN Saturday night because the he, could, machine, TJ. he could the be, machine. I know, he could be Terrence Crawford's next opponent. Crawford Khan in April on pay per view. And then that fight presumably would be on either ESPN Plus or on ESPN. They're trying to market Crawford even more uh, here in this. Let's see. Let's see what happens with Bud Crawford in that fight. And could this Kavalaskis be the guy? Gavadzik is the main event. He's the light heavyweight champ uh, of the WBC. He's trying to get in maybe with Kovalev or with another light heavyweight. Let's see what happens on that fight card. So those are the fights to watch this weekend. Marquise, plug one more time. BigFightWeekend.com, please, sir. Go ahead. As always, BigFightWeekend.com, you can find what I'm writing about, what TJ wrote about, and several others in regards to the world of boxing, what's up to date, what's going on uh, fight-wise. 
pretty much the, the schedules, recaps, you can find those there. You can also find me on the Twitter at Big Fight Weekend or Week Sauce Radio. It's the greatest tool to handle in the world. <laughs> oh, only second to how about a Fresca? I, I think it's one of the better ones up there. Yeah, that's I, I, a good I, one. I, I, I will, it's pound for pound is one of the better Twitter handles ever. I will admit Marquise that. has a great inside joke Twitter handle, Weak Sauce Radio. So you can find him there. And the Big Fight Weekend Twitter handle, we encourage everybody follow the Big Fight Weekend Twitter handle at Big Fight Weekend, just like you're following the podcast, uh, because you've got previews, you've got recaps. Uh, we do historical perspectives again. Um, I, I don't know how much you enjoyed it, but I loved going back and, and watching that George Foreman Ken Norton fight, which was 45 years ago. Go, my God, I'm old. 45 years ago this past week, Foreman just dispatched Ken Norton. Uh, and I wrote about it on the historical piece on the website. So you can go read that. You can rewatch the fight uh, there through the article and through YouTube. And that was the fight that Foreman fought immediately before he fought Ali in the Rumble in the Jungle in October. And Ali was on the commentary, Marquise, on that. It was tremendous watching oh, man, uh, watching was. the fight. And, and Ali is trying to give the commentary. You could tell that Ali really wanted Ken Norton to win the fight. And, he wanted, uh, yeah, he, and by the, the second round, it was Norton obvious that. that they were going to pick uh, Ken up with a with a snow shovel off the mat because Foreman was was doing the same thing he had done to Joe Frazier, knocking him down seven, eight, nine times. Uh, so it's great to go back and relive those historical fights. So the menacing Big George back in the early seventies. Love the historical stuff on BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise, thank you for all the insight here. Keep up the great work. We encourage the audience keep reading at BigFightWeekend.com. Follow Marquise at Week Sauce Radio. Great follow. Tweets about boxing all the time, uh, watching the fights, got his opinions on the fight, got his humor, as well as uh, the rest of sports, but in particular on boxing at Week Sauce Radio. Marquise, thank you. Enjoy the enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll catch up with you again down the road on the podcast. We'll do it, DJ. Appreciate it, man. And that will do it here for this edition of the BigFightWeekend.com podcast. My thanks again to David Payne, the boxing writer over in the UK. Follow him at The Boxing Writer on Twitter. Find his website as well, BoxingWriter.co.uk. Uh, we also link to that frequently off of BigFightWeekend.com. We thank David Payne for his insight. Also, Mike Coppinger, Fox Sports. Follow him at Mike Coppinger on Twitter. Uh, Mike does a great job as an insider with uh, with Fox Sports, and I appreciate him coming on board on the podcast uh, to talk up the welterweight picture as well as the fights coming up, PBC on Fox as well. And Marquise Johns, back with me, Marquise, as part of BigFightWeekend.com. I appreciate him stopping by to talk heavyweights, welterweight, Weights talked a little bit about tell, uh, about Tevin Farmer, the United States uh, IBF lightweight champion, and what his futures might be. Stick with the website, BigFightWeekend.com. Previews, recaps, historical perspective, commentaries, all of it at BigFightWeekend.com. And Marquise even talking up the fights this weekend that are going to be uh, all over the place on DAZN, on ESPN. We'll see what happens here. We will uh, come back at you again as the bigger fights come forward in the month of April with Lomachenko in action in April on April the uh, the third. 13th. Uh, also, uh, after that is that Terrence Crawford Amir Khan pay-per-view that we've been referencing. Look forward to talking about all of those fights in April as well. The month of March is already done. We appreciate you stopping by. Won't be long before we get to Canelo against Jacobs in May, and then eventually Wilder in Brazil, and then Joshua and Miller at Madison Square Garden on June the 1st. All of those fights coming, and you want to keep it locked in here. Again, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play to Big Fight Week the podcast and thanks again to our friends at radioinfluence.com who do a great job promoting this 
this show, however you found us, on Radio Influence through social media. Subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It comes automatically to you. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Enjoyed the boxing. We'll talk to you again soon for Big Fight Weekend. This is a We've Seen That Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Chili Palmer is based on a real person, right? Correct. That Elmore Leonard uh, had uh, even as a cameo at the beginning of the movie, I believe. Right. He, He is in the movie. He's the last one in the credits. How about that? Yeah, he's in the movie at the beginning as the Shylock with uh, or one of them with Ray Barboni is the real Robert Chili Palmer. So it's yeah, based when, on when you have person. Barboni or when you have Bones, whatever, saying it's chilly outside, it's chilly inside. Huh? Like, you know, and all that little <laughs> nonsense he was doing. So remember, this is prior to the release of A Time to Kill. Matthew McConaughey was considered for the role of Ronnie. Oh, who was really? Bo's business partner that Ray all shoots right, in Sim's all office. All right, all right, all so yes. We could have had McConaughey in this. He was considered for that. Let's see. Another person apparently that, that possibly turned down the role. This is one that's not, not confirmed. Warren Beatty was apparently offered the role of Shelly Palmer and turned it down. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Warren Beatty's pretty great, but this just seems like, like I said, this seems like John Travolta now. It's kind of like trying to picture someone else playing Apollo Creed or, exactly. you know, or the Terminator or somebody we just stick these guys with. Um, let me see if I can find anything else. The Cadillac of minivans. This is actually kind of funny. I highlighted this one is actually the Oldsmobile silhouette. And okay. it was made from 1989 to 2004. But we it was can't, the last models of the Oldsmobile We can't statement. really tell that it's an Oldsmobile silhouette, so it's not so maybe so much product placement, or maybe it was. Maybe they got a spiff from Oldsmobile and got a little bit of money for putting them in the movie, because obviously the movie had a lot of success as well. True, true. And we mentioned some of these other guys that have been in movies together. We forgot to mention John Travolta and Harvey Keitel were in Pulp Fiction. Correct. Remember, Harvey Keitel was Winston Wolf. Correct. Who, when John Travolta accidentally shot Mr. the guy Wolf. in the car, he cleaned up the mess. <laughs> Pretty Mr. pleased with sugar on top, clean the effing car. Remember all that? <laughs> exactly. You boys are from County. You've experienced this before. Strip. Let's go. We've seen that with TJ Reeves and Jay Betzel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 